Well, this, uh, this parable, uh, we have a picture. This is actually a painting by Rembrandt. And it's interesting, Rembrandt, this famous painter, um, he painted this scene many times in his life. And this was late in his life. Um, there's more going on than we can see in this part of the painting. But it, it grabbed a hold of him, this story of the prodigal son. Now, <clears throat> as we do the, the, talk through this series, if you've seen the program, if you've seen the header, we're calling it the prodigal God. And I'll explain why later. But there's more going on in this parable or this story than simply one lost son. We're seeing a broken family. We're seeing a father and his sons. We're seeing brothers in a broken relationship. We're seeing conflict and emotion and the kind of stuff that you and I experience in our families and in our lives. Um, So this is really a story about two lost brothers. Two brothers who needed God. Um, <clears throat> that reminds me of one of my uh, favorite old-time jokes. There are the two, these two brothers, and they lived in a town. They were evil brothers. Uh, they were very wealthy because they, uh, they were just mean in their way they did business. Uh, they took advantage of people. They were corrupt, and through that, they gained great resources and wealth. They weren't religious. They didn't care about God. One of their brothers died. And so his brother went to one of the pastors in the town, and he asked the pastor to do his brother's funeral. And he said, I need you to say some nice things about my brother. And if you call him a saint during the service, I will, uh, I will write a huge check for your church. Now, the pastor was really troubled by this because he knew how evil these brothers were. Um, and he started to wrestle with that because the church needed lots of repairs. And so he started sorting through what he was going to say in the message, and all the people of the town wondered because they knew that this brother was a bad guy. And so the, the funeral came, and it was packed, and the pastor was going through the normal funeral routine as he did the service, and he got to the end, and he went up to the casket, and he said, hey, all of us know that this guy was not a good man at all. He swindled many of you. He stole from people. He was just not a good guy. And then he looked at the brother, and he said, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> now, I tell you that story because as we look at the parable, both of these brothers needed God. They needed something that they didn't have. So Jesus, he told parables, and he told lots of stories. A third of the stories, or a third of the, the words that we see from Jesus in the Gospels are parables. These divine stories where Jesus used really simple characters and situations to draw people in. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 15, this uh, great parable that Jesus told. Here's how he, he started. He said, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen. Or here, here's how it goes in the parable. Uh, t- tax collectors and, and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. 
And then Jesus went on to tell, as he had this great crowd of people, the religious people and the non-religious people, um, he started to tell some stories about lost things, things that had value. And so he told a story about a shepherd who went out to search. He had 100 sheep, and he had 99 of them, but one of his sheep was lost. And so he went out and he found that sheep. And when he returned, he threw a huge party and they celebrated And then he told a story about a woman who had 10 coins and she lost one of her coins in her house and she cleared everything out. And when she found that coin, she invited her friends and neighbors to come together and celebrate because this lost thing that was important to her that had value was found. And then he went on to tell this story about this father and his sons. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger brother packed his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired hands have food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he returned home to his father And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embracing him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, the servant told him, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Um, So this parable, traditionally called the prodigal son, we're talking about the prodigal God, and we'll explain that here in a moment. First of all, what does prodigal mean? I mean, do you use prodigal in your everyday conversation? I mean, I'm not watching the NCAA tournament saying that prodigal, that prodigal play by that guy on my team cost us the game and he was so reckless. No, we say reckless. What does prodigal mean? Well, it has uh, a range of meaning and typically it means reckless, uh, extravagant or wasteful uh, type behavior. But it has a bigger range than that. And when we talk about the prodigal God, as we talk about the father and these sons over the next few weeks, prodigal means profuse, 
abundant, lavish, or extravagant, or extraordinary generosity. So think about that for a moment. Profuse, abundant, lavish, extravagant generosity. That's why God is a prodigal God. Tim Keller's written a book on this topic. It's a a great little read. Um, If you'd like to pick it up, you can uh, read along with us. It's had some impact as we put the series together. So that's the definition, is really the father's love for both of his sons. And today we're going to talk about the youngest son, the youngest brother. Next week we'll talk about the older brother. Now some of us, at first glance in the story, I didn't read all the story, there was another, uh, another paragraph yet, but when we think about this story, we say, how does, this first glance, how does the older brother need grace? What's wrong with him? He was responsible, he stuck around, he worked for his father, he didn't leave. Now most of us who are thinking this are firstborns, aren't we? but we're going to talk about the older brother next week. First, the younger brother. There's two primary things that I want us to cover as we think about the purpose and what Jesus is trying to get at in this story. First, um, we need to understand the damage that he caused by his actions as he left his family, left his father, and went off into this land, and then also what he discovered through the process. As he came to the end of himself, As he lost everything, what he discovered. So the damage he caused, and then what he discovered. And then, also, we need to grasp the significance of the Father's incredible, extravagant love for his Son, and what that reveals to us about God, our Father in heaven. Well, let's begin with, the as we get into the the story. Um, This Son, he comes to his Father... And he says, I want my share of the estate now before you die. Now, if you go back into Jewish culture, I mean, we know that's an offensive thing to say. But when you go back into the Jewish culture, essentially what he was telling his father is, I wish you were dead. You're dead to me. I don't care about you. I want to cash out now. And so as as the listeners were taking in this story, I mean, imagine the tension they felt as the son asked, not only asked for the father's resources while he was alive, then the father gave the resources to him because in Jewish culture, no Jewish father would do that. He would get angry. He would say, you're not my son anymore. Go away. But that's not what he did. That's what the audience expected, but that's not what Jesus said. Instead, the father went through the process of great expense of basically dividing his estate. Because to do this, he had to cash out some of his estate to give the youngest son some of his resources. But he also had to give the rest of the estate to the older brother. And that's how it happened in Jewish law, is the older brother would get two-thirds or the oldest uh, son would get two-thirds, and then the younger son got a third. And so he had to get his accountants, his financial people together. He had to get his estate in order and remove himself as the owner. Give up 
ownership. Two-thirds to his oldest son, one-third to his youngest son, so that he could go off and do his thing. Now think about, as Jesus is telling this story, the audience is just pulled in, not believing what's happening, that this father would do this. And yet he did. Um, So here's what it... What did this young guy do? He went out and he blew it. He went wild. He, uh, you know, just lived it up until he came to a point where there was nothing left and he got what he deserved, right? Now think about this. We, We have either been through that kind of a process in our life or we know somebody who has. When somebody gets what they deserve. I, I, uh, I'm thinking of my, uh, my sister and brother-in-law. They have a guy who's a member at their golf club, and this guy won the lottery years ago, and he went out, and he just lived large. I mean, he, he won millions of dollars through the lottery, and he wasted it until basically he had nothing left, right? And he got what he deserved. No, he won the lottery again, And through that process, he came to his senses where now he lives responsibly with his wealth. (laughs) Crazy, huh? That doesn't usually happen, does it? The son came to the end of himself, his resources. And Jesus said he was feeding the pigs. Now imagine for a Jewish person hearing that story. That was the worst case scenario. The lowest of low places. And here's this boy, this young man, living in the filth of pigs. And he decides to go back. He comes to his senses. However that was working out within him, he came to his senses. And he was ready to go home. Imagine what was going on inside of him, just wondering, how am I going to be received? I've blown all this. I'm such a failure. I did incredible, disastrous wrong to my family and to my father as he worked through all that. And sometimes as we, as we think of our own experiences, because we all have to come to our senses and we do it in different ways, right? About what's important in life, what our priorities should be. I can think back um, uh, to my uh, time in college. When I started at university, um, I, I wasn't ready for the responsibility of school. In my first year, um, I, I played around a lot. I had a lot of fun, and I didn't do well in school. And my dad sent me a letter. Uh, it was a, about a year in, and it was like a three-page letter. I wish I would have saved it. And basically, him just laying out um, what my responsibility was at school and how I wasn't following through on it. And I hated the letter at first. But it showed my dad's love and compassion for me. And it was one part in me beginning to come to my senses of what was most important. Sometimes we come to our senses in steps. Sometimes it's just in a crash, in a low, low point. But as we think about our faith, we all need to come to our senses. It's called repentance. 
and this idea in the scriptures is where we turn and we go a completely different direction. And this young son came to his senses and he turned to come back home, to come back to his father. Even though he didn't know what to expect, how his father would receive him, he turned. And we all need to turn in our relationship with God. And it's not a one-time turning, it's over and over again as we long for God and we turn our hearts to God. And some of us, um, some of us who are parents this morning, we're struggling because we have that child out there, that son or, or daughter, or maybe a grandchild. Maybe it's a brother or a sister that you have been praying for for months and for years, and they're still out there. And I want to encourage you um, to keep praying, to allow God to fill you with hope that one day, as God begins to work on them, they'll respond and they'll return home. Um, After service, we have prayer partners up up front, people who will pray with you. If you'd like to be prayed for today, uh, they would love to join you in whatever your, uh, your prayer might be. Well, he decides he's going home. He doesn't know, because he doesn't know his father. He never would have left his father in the first place if he really knew him. He doesn't know how his father's going to respond. And so he decides to go back. And there's this scene where he's a long way off. And you just have to imagine what it was like for the father, day after day after day, his son out there, not knowing where he is. You wonder if he had sent servants out looking for him. But that day that he longed for and he hoped for, one day that his son would return alive. And as he looked out on the horizon that day, he saw an image. And as that image came closer, the father, he just waited right on the front step for the boy to come and grovel and fall at his feet. He didn't do that. The father ran to his son. And when he met him, he hugged his dirty, smelly son and kissed him and rejoiced that he'd returned. Now, as Jesus told this story, the audience was appalled. Especially the Jewish audience who said, no, no, no. That a father, a good Jewish father would never lower himself like that. But he did. He won't pick up his, his robe and run and expose his legs for everyone. He's, that's not a distinguished man. And yet this is the picture that Jesus gives the father who doesn't care what other people think. He doesn't care about his own reputa- reputation. He just goes and he grabs his son. And he says, we're going to throw a party. I mean, you would think that the father would say, all right, let's just have a little family get together. Let's try to get kind of things back together as a family. No, he's like, I want everybody to know that my son who was lost has returned and how important this is. And I want to celebrate this day. And I want everybody in the community to come. That is prodigal love. That is extravagant grace that this father shows. 
And he had to have been blown away. Not knowing what to expect, received by his father this way, he just had to have been speechless to be loved that way, to be valued, even though he'd messed up big time, to know the fullness of his father's love and forgiveness and grace. And the older brother, he wasn't blown away. He was mad. He was hacked. He couldn't believe what was happening. And again, we'll talk about him next week. So what's the purpose? Well, obviously, Jesus was talking about God's love for his people. And what we see is God's radical, extravagant, incredible love for people who return to him. And that's the gospel. That's what we're going to be reflecting on over the next few weeks. Obviously, we, we do this on a regular basis because the very foundation of the church is the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ. See, our Father, the Father who made us, who gave us life, he wants us to know his love. No matter what we've done, no matter how broken we are, no matter how fractured our relationships might be, the Father is calling us home through Jesus. Now think about what Jesus, as he told this story, the divine truth that he was laying down. You see, the Father, our Father in heaven, sets aside his own um, reputation. Jesus was willing to come and become one of us. To become sin for us, to pay for sin, the penalty, so that we could come home to God. And that's the beauty of Easter as we consider the next few days, the next few weeks going into Easter. As in our repentance, we rejoice that we have received the love that God has for us in Christ. And he gives us the ring. He puts a robe on us. And he calls us to be his sons and daughters. Listen to this from Romans chapter 5. Paul talking about this powerful mystery, this love of God. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Isn't that amazing? Jesus invites us now into this story. And whatever you're wrestling with today in your own faith, 
or someone that you love for, that you long to come home. Jesus is telling you that the Father wants to meet you in that, to guide you and to strengthen you and to give you the courage that you need. All you have to do is say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Thank you.